Section 12 of The Coquette. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Coquette, or The History of Eliza Wharton, by Hannah Webster Foster. Section 12. Letter 67. To the same. Hartford all is now lost lost indeed she is gone yes my dear friend our beloved eliza is gone never more shall we behold this once amiable companion this once innocent and happy girl she has forsaken and as she says bid an everlasting adieu to her home her afflicted parent and her friends but i will take up my melancholy story where i left it in my last she went as she told me she expected into the garden and met her detestable paramour in about an hour she returned and went directly to her chamber at one o'clock i went up and found her writing and weeping i begged her to compose herself and go down to dinner no she said she could not eat and she was not fit to appear before anybody i remonstrated against her immoderate grief Represented the injury she must sustain by the indulgence of it and conjured her to suppress the violence of its emotions She entreated me to excuse her to her mamma Said she was writing to her and found it a task too painful to be performed with any degree of composure That she was almost ready to sink under the weight of her affliction But hoped and prayed for support both in this and another trying scene which awaited her in compliance with her desire i now left her and told her mamma that she was very busy writing wished not to be interrupted at present but would take some refreshment an hour or two hence i visited her again about four o'clock when she appeared more calm and tranquil it is finished said she as i entered her apartment it is finished what said i is finished no matter replied she you will know all tomorrow julia she complained of excessive fatigue and expressed an inclination to lie down in which i assisted her and then retired some time after her mamma went up and found her still on the bed she rose however and accompanied her downstairs i met her at the door of the parlour and taking her by the hand inquired how she did oh julia miserably indeed said she how severely does my mother's kindness reproach me how insupportably it increases my self-condemnation she wept she wrung her hands and walked the room in the greatest agony mrs wharton was exceedingly distressed by her appearance tell me eliza said she tell me the cause of your trouble oh kill me not by your mysterious concealment my dear child let me by sharing alleviate your affliction ask me not madam said she oh my mother i conjure you not to insist on my divulging to-night the fatal secret which engrosses and distracts my mind to-morrow i will hide nothing from you i will press you no further rejoined her mamma choose your own time my dear but remember i must participate your grief though i know not the cause supper was brought in and we endeavoured to prevail on eliza to eat but in vain she sat down in compliance with our united importunities but neither of us tasted food 
it was removed untouched for a while mrs wharton and i gazed in silent anguish upon the spectacle of woe before us at length eliza rose to retire julia said she you will call at my chamber as you pass to your own i assented she then approached her mamma fell upon her knees before her and clasping her hands said in broken accents oh madam can you forgive a wretch who has forfeited your love your kindness and your compassion surely eliza said she you are not that being no it is impossible but however great your transgression be assured of my forgiveness my compassion and my continued love saying this she threw her arms about her daughter's neck and affectionately kissed her eliza struggled from her embrace and looking at her with wild despair exclaimed this is too much oh this unmerited goodness is more than i can bear she then rushed precipitately out of the room and left us overwhelmed in sympathy and astonishment when mrs wharton had recovered herself a little she observed that eliza's brain was evidently disordered nothing else continued she could impel her to act in this extraordinary manner at first she was resolved to follow her but i dissuaded her from it alleging that as she had desired me to come into her chamber i thought it better for me to go alone she acquiesced but said she should not think of going to bed but would however retire to her chamber and seek consolation there i bade her good night and went up to eliza who took me by the hand and led me to the toilet upon which she laid the two enclosed letters the one to her mamma and the other to me these she said contain what i had no resolution to express promise me julia that they shall not be open till to-morrow morning i will said i i have thought and wept continued she till i have almost exhausted my strength and my reason i would now obtain a little respite that i may prepare my mind for the account i am one day to give at a higher tribunal than that of earthly friends for this purpose what i have written and what i shall yet say to you must close the account between you and me i have certainly no balance against you said i in my breast you are fully acquitted your penitential tears have obliterated your guilt and blotted out your errors with your julia henceforth be they all forgotten live and be happy talk not said she of life it would be a vain hope though i cherished it myself that i must die it is my only comfort death is the privilege of human nature and life without it were not worth the taking thither the poor the prisoner and the mourner fly for relief and lay their burdens down you have forgiven me julia my mother has assured me of her forgiveness and what have i more to wish my heart is much lightened by these kind assurances they will be a great support to me in the dreadful hour which awaits me what mean you eliza said i i fear some dreadful purpose labours in your mind oh no she replied you may be assured your fear is groundless I know not what I say my brain is on fire. I am all confusion leave me Julia when I have had a little rest I shall be composed these letters have almost distracted me But they are written and I am comparatively easy. I Will not leave you Eliza said I unless you will go directly to bed and endeavor to rest I will said she 
and the sooner the better i tenderly embraced her and retired though not to bed about an hour after i returned to her chamber and opening the door very softly found her apparently asleep i acquainted mrs wharton with her situation which was a great consolation to us both and encouraged us to go to bed having suffered much in my mind and being much fatigued i soon fell asleep but the rattling of a carriage which appeared to stop a little distance from the house awoke me i listened a moment and heard the door turn slowly on its hinges i sprang from my bed and reached the window just in time to see a female handed into a chaise by a man who hastily followed her and drove furiously away i at once concluded they could be no other than eliza and major sanford under this impression i made no delay but ran immediately to her chamber a candle was burning on the table but eliza was not there i thought it best to acquaint her mamma with the melancholy discovery and stepping to her apartment for the purpose found her rising she had heard me walk and was anxious to know the cause what is the matter julia said she what is the matter dear madam said i arm yourself with fortitude what new occurrence demands it rejoined she eliza has left us left us what mean you she has gone i saw her handed into a chaise which instantly disappeared at this intelligence she gave a shriek and fell back on her bed i alarmed the family and by their assistance soon recovered her she desired me to inform her of every particular relative to her elopement which i did and then delivered her the letter which eliza had left for her i suspect said she as she took it i have long suspected what i dared not believe the anguish of my mind has been known only to myself and my god i could not answer her and therefore withdrew when i had read eliza's letter to me and wept over the sad fall and as i fear the total loss of this once amiable and accomplished girl i returned to mrs wharton she was sitting in her easy-chair and still held the fatal letter in her hand when i entered she fixed her streaming eyes upon me and exclaimed oh julia this is more than the bitterness of death true madam said i your affliction must be great yet that all-gracious being who controls every event is able and i trust disposed to support you to him replied she i desire humbly to resign myself but i think i could have borne almost any other calamity with greater resignation and composure than this with how much comparative ease could i have followed her to the grave at any period since her birth oh my child my child dear very dear hast thou been to my fond heart little did i think it possible for you to prepare so dreadful a cup of sorrow for your widowed mother but where continued she where can the poor fugitive have fled where can she find that protection and tenderness which notwithstanding her great apostasy i should never have withheld from whom can she receive those kind attentions which her situation demands the agitation of her mind had exhausted her strength and i prevailed on her to refresh and endeavour to compose herself to rest assuring her of my utmost exertions to find out eliza's retreat and restore her to a mother's arms 
I am obliged to suppress my own emotions and to bend all my thoughts towards the alleviation of Mrs. Wharton's anxiety and grief. Major Sanford is from home, as I expected, and I am determined, if he return, to see him myself and extort from him the place of Eliza's concealment. Her flight in the present state of health is inexpressibly distressing to her mother, and unless we find her soon, I dread the effects. I shall not close this till I have seen or heard from the vile miscreant who has involved a worthy family in wretchedness. Friday morning. Two days have elapsed without affording us much relief. Last evening, I was told that Major Sanford was at home. I immediately wrote to him a billet, entreating and conjuring him to let me know where the hapless Eliza had fled. He returned me the following answer. Miss Granby need be under no apprehensions respecting the situation of our beloved Eliza. She is well provided for, conveniently accommodated, and has everything to make her happy which love and affluence can give. Major Sanford has solemnly sworn not to discover her retreat. She wishes to avoid the accusations of her friends till she is better able to bear them. Her mother may rest assured of immediate information should any danger threaten her amiable daughter, and also of having seasonable notice of her safety. Although little dependence can be placed upon this man, yet these assurances have, in a great degree, calmed our minds. We are, however, contriving means to explore the refuge of the wanderer, and hope, by tracing his steps, to accomplish our purpose. This we have engaged a friend to do. I know, my dear Mrs. Sumner, the kind interest you will take in this disastrous affair. I tremble to think what the event may be. To relieve your suspense, however, I shall write you every circumstance as it occurs. But, at present, I shall only enclose Eliza's letters to her mamma and me, and subscribe myself your sincere and obliged friend, Julia Granby. Letter 68 to Mrs. M. Wharton, Tuesday. My honoured and dear mamma, in what words, in what language shall I address you? What shall I say on a subject which deprives me of the power of expression? Would to God I had been totally deprived of that power before so fatal a subject required its exertion. Repentance comes too late, when it cannot prevent the evil lamented. For your kindness, your more than maternal affection towards me, from my infancy to the present moment, a long life of filial duty and unerring rectitude could hardly compensate. How greatly deficient in gratitude must I appear then, while I confess that precept and example, counsel and advice, instruction and admonition have all been lost upon me. Your kind endeavours to promote my happiness have been repaid by the inexcusable folly of sacrificing it. The various emotions of shame and remorse, penitence and regret, which torture and distract my guilty breast, exceed description. Yes, madam, your Eliza has fallen fallen indeed she has become the victim of her own indiscretion and of the intrigue and artifice of a designing libertine who is the husband of another she is polluted and no more worthy of her parentage she flies from you not to conceal her guilt that she humbly and penitently owns but to avoid what she has never experienced and feels herself unable to support a mother's frown to escape the heart-rending sight of a parent's grief, 
occasioned by the crimes of her guilty child i have become a reproach and disgrace to my friends the consciousness of having forfeited their favour and incurred their disapprobation and resentment induces me to conceal from them the place of my retirement but lest your benevolence should render you anxious for my comfort in my present situation i take the liberty to assure you that i am amply provided for i have no claim even upon your pity but from my long experience of your tenderness i presume to hope it will be extended to me oh my mother if you knew what the state of my mind is and has been for months past you would surely compassionate my case could tears efface the stain which i have brought upon my family it would long since have been washed away but alas tears are in vain and vain is my bitter repentance it cannot obliterate my crime nor restore me to innocence and peace in this life i have no ideas of happiness these i have wholly resigned the only hope which affords me any solace is that of your forgiveness if the deepest contrition can make an atonement if the severest pains both of body and mind can restore me to your charity you will not be inexorable oh let my sufferings be deemed a sufficient punishment and add not the insupportable weight of a parent's wrath at present i cannot see you the effects of my crime is too obvious to be longer concealed to elude the invidious eye of curiosity this night therefore i leave your hospitable mansion this night i become a wretched wanderer from my paternal roof oh that the grave were this night to be my lodging then should i lie down and be at rest trusting in the mercy of god through the mediation of his son i think i could meet my heavenly father with more composure and confidence than my earthly parent let not the faults and misfortunes of your daughter oppress your mind rather let the conviction of having faithfully discharged your duty to your lost child support and console you in this trying scene since i wrote the above you have kindly granted me your forgiveness though you knew not how great how aggravated was my offence you forgive me you say oh the harmonious the transporting sound it has revived my drooping spirits and will enable me to encounter with resolution the trials before me farewell my dear mamma pity and pray for your ruined child and be assured that affection and gratitude will be the last sentiments which expire in the breast of your repenting daughter eliza wharton letter sixty nine to miss julia granby tuesday my dear friend by that endearing title you permit me still to address you and such you have always proved yourself by a participation of my distresses as well as by the consoling voice of pity and forgiveness what destiny providence designs for me i know not but i have my forebodings that this is the last time i shall ever accost you nor does this apprehension arise merely from a disturbed imagination i have reason to think myself in a confirmed consumption which commonly proves fatal to persons in my situation i have carefully concealed every complaint of the kind from my mamma for fear of distressing her yet i have never been insensible of their probable issue and have bidden a sincere welcome to them as the harbingers of my speedy release from a life of guilt and woe i am going from you julia this night separates us perhaps for ever 
I have not resolution to encounter the tears of my friends and therefore seek shelter among strangers where no one knows or is interested in my melancholy story the place of my seclusion i studiously conceal yet i shall take measures that you may be apprised of my fate should it please god to spare and restore me to health i shall return and endeavour by a life of penitence and rectitude to expiate my past offences but should i be called from this scene of action and leave behind me a helpless babe the innocent sufferer of its mother's shame oh julia let your friendship for me extend to the little stranger intercede with my mother to take it under her protection and transfer to it all her affection for me to train it up in the ways of piety and virtue that it may compensate her for the afflictions which i have occasioned one thing more i have to request plead for me with my two best friends mrs richmond and mrs sumner i ask you not to palliate my faults that cannot be done but to obtain if possible their forgiveness i cannot write all my full mind suggests on this subject you know the purport and can better express it for me and now my dear julia recommending myself again to your benevolence and your charity and may i add to your affection and entreating that the fatal consequences of my folly now fallen upon my devoted head may suffice for my punishment let me conjure you to bury my crimes in the grave with me and to preserve the remembrance of my former virtues which engaged your love and confidence more especially of that ardent esteem for you which will glow till the last expiring breath of your despairing eliza wharton End of section 12